Welcome to the Manufacturing Employer Podcast, where we talk workplace culture and all things related to the strategies that drive exceptional environments for employees. You'll hear conversations with those in the manufacturing space tasked with making their workplace better. Employee engagement, benefits, onboarding, hiring, we'll be discussing the working experience from top to bottom. Let's get into the show. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of The Manufacturing Employer. I'm your host, John Franco, co-founder of Gorilla76. We are the industrial marketing agency. We help manufacturers grow through revenue-focused marketing programs. On today's show, I'm very excited to have Monica Hans of Collaborative Strategies talking about how employers can put the value back on their people. But before we get into that, a little bit about our guest. Monica is the Director of Talent Management at Collaborative Strategies, a leading strategy consultancy based here in St. Louis, Missouri. She has helped executives develop talent strategies that that drive business performance for nearly 20 years. Monica believes in the power of an engaged workforce, regularly challenging her clients to reimagine their organizations to create culture initiatives, recruiting strategies, development programs, and performance management processes that deliver outstanding employee experiences and business outcomes. Prior to joining Collaborative Strategies, Monica was the Vice President of Human Resources, Business Partnerships, and Talent Strategy at Calaris, formerly Brown Shoe. She's also worked in talent management and recruitment for Baker Botts LLP in Bungie, North America. Monica holds a bachelor's degree in justice from American University and a master's degree in human resources management from Washington University here in St. Louis. Monica, that's quite the intro. You've done a lot. Welcome to the show. We're lucky to have you. Thanks. That is, you've made that all sound really good. Thanks, John. (laughs) You're the one who did it. There's a lot of experience here, which I think will be very informative in today's show. And I mean, there's so much to learn here. Maybe we could start just talk a little bit about your role at Collaborative Strategies, kind of what you do and why companies would come and and hire you essentially. At Collaborative Strategies, I run our talent practice group. So as you mentioned, we're a strategic management consultancy. We work mainly with privately owned, often family owned businesses. Most located right here in the St. Louis area. Our largest practice area is actually strategic planning for these businesses. And so much of what comes out of strategic planning, as we all know, is people focused. How do we find better people? How do we, not better people, I shouldn't say, but how do we find people need to fill the roles that we have or that we'll have in the future? How do we develop our people to fill those roles? How do we continue to retain our people? So I work with these companies because a lot of times they either don't have an HR function at all, or it's a very small HR function. And really, they've never thought about HR from a strategic perspective, more from a execution or transactional perspective. So I work with executives to help develop those challenge strategies based on their business strategy. We look at ways, like I said, to recruit and retain their best people that can range anything from new compensation strategies to performance measurement processes to succession planning. I know something we talked about kind of leading up to this show was a lot of our clients, they're obviously all in the manufacturing space, but I'm sure this is common across numerous companies, but for some reason, I, I love that we're looking at HR as a strategic function because it, it's mind-blowing when you stop and think about the fact that anyone would look at it as anything else. We have 
we have worked with companies in the past, and, and I mentioned this to you, that our marketing contact also was the HR person, the admin. Why have people for so long or why have companies for so long just looked at HR as in that way, I guess? I, I don't know. I mean, that's, that's something that I wonder all the time, knowing how important people are. Yes, you and I both, right? <laughs> you know, and I think there's probably a lot of reasons. HR has historically been viewed as a support function, frankly, as a line item expense, right? Not a revenue generator. And I think a lot of times it's been thought of historically as that there really isn't strategy to it. It's like hire people, make sure they get paid. And we're ever in the unfortunate situation of having to fire someone, do that too. And that was kind of what people thought of it. I think I joked with you, like my mother still will often sometimes say like, you work in personnel. <laughs> no, <laughs> but fine. <laughs> we'll go with it. Yeah. <laughs> and I just like hear a typewriter when she says that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> in the background. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I agree with you. I think as... We have just seen like the business landscape change. Companies are starting to realize and recognize the value of people. And companies have said for years and years, we value our people. But I think they're really realizing that that takes a lot of work to value your people. It's no longer the days of, here, we have a job for you. You should be really grateful that we have that. <laughs> and the power has shifted, I mean, in a lot of ways, right? completely shifted. It really is employee driven. So we all know, and we've seen this even more and more after the pandemic is there are opportunities out there. So if someone is not happy and doesn't want to be where they are, they'll go find another opportunity and there are opportunities out there. So now that, like we talked about, that shifting has flipped and employers really need to show how much they value their people, not just through we have a job for you, but we are paying you appropriately. We're rewarding you for your efforts. Sometimes that's compensation. Sometimes it's PTO. Sometimes it's other things. Sometimes it's allowing people to go, you know, volunteer their time. They invest in their people. They provide development opportunities, training opportunities. They build career paths so that people see growth there and they can see that's a place that they want to stay. And frankly, they show that they care. They understand that people have their job is usually a very important piece of their life, but there are other things that are important to them. And when companies kind of show that value as well, I think that really pays off from an employee perspective. And they recognize that that's somewhere they want to be and they're important to the company. So kind of, I think, related to this and something we also talked about, so in your mind, is loyalty to a company, is it dead? Does it just look different? Is it is it still relevant? Like, talk a little bit about that. Because I, a lot of the companies we work with, a lot of their, you'll walk around and, and you will talk to people that have been there 25, 26 years. So part of me thinks it's alive, but I don't know. What are your thoughts? I do think it is alive. I don't think it's dead, but I don't think it's assumed anymore. Mm. Kind of like going back to what I was just saying, I think historically there's been this, here's your job. We expect this is going to be very important to you and you're going to be here for 25 years. That expectation doesn't exist anymore. But I do think that when an employee feels like they have opportunity 
at a company so that they can continue to grow and develop there and that the company cares about them. I do think there is loyalty there. So I don't think it's dead. I just don't think it's assumed. It sounds like there's a healthy checks and balance now. I mean, really like, hey, like like, we all want to feel valued, right? We all want to feel cared about. And I think that that is when the loyalty will build and develop. You know, when I think we kind of talked about this a little bit too, there's like this myth that younger generations don't want to be at employers for long periods of time. And I don't find that to be true. I actually do find that they do. Now, long periods of time for them might not be 25 years. It might be five, it might be 10 years, but they do want to find places where they can grow and build a career I think the difference is if they haven't found that place, they're going to go find it somewhere else where that wasn't as common in the past. That makes total sense. Kind of staying with that theme of putting the value back on the people. That's something that I remember when we first connected several weeks back that that that's kind of the thing whenever you mentioned that, that the light bulb went off that I was like, man, Monica would be great on the, on the show. But in terms of that idea of putting the value back on the people, Can you unpack that a a little further? Like, what does that look like? What does it look like when it's done well? What does it look like when it's done poorly? I I don't know. Maybe you could just speak to just kind of that theme a bit more. Yeah. Um, You know, I think I don't want to completely repeat myself, but like I've said a few times, it really is showing your employees that they matter within the company, that the work that they do is important. So if there's ability to tie and show that the work that they're doing is contributing to the overall success of the company. I think people feel valued. They feel like they're doing something important. They feel like they are being rewarded. Again, that could be in a variety of different ways. If they feel like they have opportunities for growth, they feel valued. I know one of your podcasts talks about servant leadership. If is a servant leadership type model, or philosophy so that they feel like not only does my boss know who I am, but they also know a little bit about what's important to me, whether that's a hobby, a side business, a family, just a little bit more than just what I do here every day. I think when those things are happening, you see that your business is thriving and your people are thriving. You get better business outcomes. I mean, we've all heard it for years. An engaged workforce creates better business outcomes. It's absolutely true. I think when it's not happening, you don't necessarily see a failing business, but I think you see a status quo business where you're not seeing innovation, you're not seeing results improving. It's just status quo and your people are just status quo. They're coming in, they're doing what they need to do. But that's about it. They're not going above and beyond when they need to. They're not bringing in their friends to work there through referrals. They're not as proud because it doesn't play as big of a piece. And I'm guessing they're probably not going to stick around as long. Also, I also think like all industries are different, but in our space, in the the marketing space, I want to take care of our people because it's the right thing to do. I also know it's the smart business thing to do. And if we don't take care of the good people, they're going to go somewhere where they are taken care of because they are sought after. Good talent is it is hard to find, I think. Those folks are going to are going to go somewhere else if you don't put the value on them. I think too many of the younger generation probably watched and, and I put us in that generation watched 
our parents or parents' friends or, or whoever, people that we saw older than us complaining about going to work and, and how they were treated and all these things. And, and I think maybe the light bulb went off with a lot of people. It's like, well, I don't have to do this. I, I don't have to do it that way anymore. There's plenty of opportunity. So I think we have to take care of these people. Absolutely. You're totally right, Sean, because good people are hard to find. They're also even harder to keep. <laughs> because there are they're sought after. You know, we all see it. I mean, there are jobs out there all the time in the remote workforce. I love it because from a talent perspective, it's opened up a huge talent pool. But it's also you know, on the flip side, it's opened up a lot of opportunities for people. So, you know, you do have to show that value and that what they do and why they're there is important. And I, you're totally right. And we did talk a little bit about this, that I think unlike our parents and our grandparents, we don't feel like, okay, well, I have to be at this job because there are other opportunities out there. So we aren't, as, I guess, for lack of better words, we don't put up with things that we don't like in our jobs as much as our parents did. Even if you remove the remote from the equation, I absolutely agree. I mean, that's that's been an amazing thing for our company, being able to hire remote talent. We, we can hire people from all over the country. Yeah. But in the manufacturing space, obviously, especially when you get to the boots on the ground, so to speak, the, the people doing the work, they, they can't be remote, but they also have a skill set when they work in machining, when they when you learn a trade, those skills are getting less. It, it seems like we have fewer and fewer people with those skills now. Absolutely. So they it's are still there. It might just be another company across town, but they're going to come. They're going to come after your people too. Oh yeah. It's a really unique skill set when you work in manufacturing today. And there's still a lot of manufacturing, as you know, you have a business based on it that exists. So to your point, if there's something that an employee doesn't like or that they feel like is better somewhere else, they're going to go across the street or down the road and do that if they don't feel like they're valued or that there's opportunity there. You know, I think we talked a little bit about this too. There's kind of this myth that in the manufacturing space, people come in, they do that job, they have that skill set, and that's what they want to do forever. And I think that, you know, and I've seen that's so untrue. They want to see that in manufacturing roles that there's growth opportunities there also. That's an opportunity then to bring more people in and have those people teach them that skill set as well, because it manufacturing is harder and harder to find. I totally agree. I mean, every every client we talk to, I mean, that was kind of the the genesis for this show was we were talking to a lot of clients and one of the bigger challenges was just finding the people to do the work. And so I was like, well, maybe, maybe we should try to, I don't know, let's, let's all put our brains together and share some ideas and all kind of talk about what we can do from the the talent shortage, just creating better work environments really. Exactly. I mean, it really is creating better work environments. So people see that it is, you get to learn a skill or skills. It is a good place to work and there is opportunity for growth there. And I unfortunately think that I was listening to, I think it was the Milwaukee Metals podcast. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And he was a servant leadership. Yeah. Dan, he's a great guy. And he was talking about bringing in I think even elementary or middle school kids and their parents to show them just what opportunities there are. And I thought, 
that's so smart because, and you said it, like growing up, that wasn't a career path in many people's eyes that they were pushed towards, unless it really was like, because there was a great employer in your hometown or your family. Yeah, no, it was, it was college or bust for so many people, right? If you went to college, why would you go into manufacturing, which you and I have seen is completely yeah. true, <laughs> you know, but I thought how smart to get them in younger to understand, but also to get their parents in there so that their parents aren't saying like, no, that's not a path you should go down so that their parents are potentially supportive of it if it's the right thing for the person. There's a great group of guys in our space. They have a podcast called Making Chips, and I was actually just listening to it. And they had a whole episode. There, there's a movement right now of kind of thank a machinist. Basically, they broke down and they talked for, I don't know, 10 minutes or so that they were trying to think of things in everyday life that aren't somehow tied to a machinist. At some point, somebody had to make a whatever it is that, I mean, even if Something. it's a food food product, it's going through a machine that has machine parts on it that, I mean, manufacturing ties to everything. Yet for some reason... We have just ignored that. We don't, many people don't even know what machining is. I mean, I didn't five, 10 years ago. No, me neither. And we, the value of it got lost somewhere. I think it is starting to come It's back. coming back. It's coming yeah. back, which is cool. But the value of it got lost. And I think the fact that, like I said, people can see that, you know, you can come in, you can learn, and there are opportunities. And I think going back to putting the value on employees, I think employers in the manufacturing space are also starting to understand oh, yeah. that. Yep. Wow. We really have to do more for our employees. Again, not that they should come in and just be thankful for this job and leave. We need to teach them, develop them, reward them, and treat them like the valued employees that they are. I even think about historically, and I've seen this in other similar type jobs, but it's not a just punch the clock job anymore, <laughs> you know, and treat people like human beings, allow them different types of schedules if needed, and just, again, help this become a piece of many pieces of their lives. They're going to do better work. What an engaged workforce is all about, right? Think about it. We all feel this way. The more valued you feel, the more you feel like the work that you does contributes to the overall success of the company, the better work that you're going to do, the more innovative you're going to think. You're going to come up with ideas or proposed changes to something you see that's not working. But if you don't feel like you're connected to the work, you don't care enough oftentimes that you're not going to push yourself in that way. At the beginning of the show, we touched on the idea of HR being strategic. And I think for something to be strategic, a lot of times it has to be, well, pretty much always it needs to be rooted in some sort of data and numbers. I want to just read a couple couple numbers that I found just behind some of your success to date. I'm sure there's a lot a lot of other numbers and metrics, but I oh, so many, so many, right? So many. <laughs> no, I, but in serious, like all seriousness, I'm sure there are, but you know, I designed a goal based performance management and compensation strategy for more than 4,000 employees delivering a 98% completion rate. Redesigned the organizational structure for a $1.2 billion business that optimized talent strengths and delivered business objectives, as well as 3.4 million savings. Guided the inaugural engagement survey for more than 1,200 employees, receiving an 87% completion rate. 
Wait, I thought HR was just supposed to be all subjective, but it's not, as you can see here. It's very, it's very objective. And I think those numbers are amazing. Well, first of all, those are amazing numbers, but can you talk a little bit more about bringing objectivity into the HR role, I guess, and, and why that's important? You're absolutely right. HR has traditionally been a very subjective space. We still often at times are challenged with putting some objectivity around some of the work that we do. But one of the things, the way I like to approach HR is by truly being a business partner. You know, I think we see a lot of titles that are human resources business partner. What I like to do as a business partner is first and foremost, understand the business and the business strategy. And then I start to develop what those people-related strategies need to be in order to achieve that business strategy. I think it's important that we're achieving, that we can demonstrate the results that we're achieving or impacting in HR in the same way that a revenue stream would. Our results don't always show a direct impact on revenue, but they absolutely show an indirect impact on revenue. So like you talked about the goal-based performance management process that I designed for over 4,000 employees and we had a 98% completion rate, which is, you know, for those of you who aren't involved in performance management, um, and that was pretty amazing. Obviously that took a lot of help from a lot of people, but what that means is that 98% of those 4,000 employees now understood their performance and how they were showing up in the organization. They got feedback on what they were doing well and where they needed some help. And they talked about what their future goals in the organization should be. So you can argue that they came out of that. They were focused on the good things that they did. They felt more valued because they had gotten some feedback and they were focused on what they needed to do in the future. Without that, or with a lower completion rate, you'd end up oftentimes with almost half of your workforce not getting feedback, not really knowing what they're doing well and where they need some work, and not knowing where they should focus in the future. So they're just kind of coming in and doing stuff. Yeah. <laughs> so- and, and again, where when you have good people, like good people want to feel like they're growing, right? Like we've talked about this. They want to feel like they're developing. And without some sort of metrics, without some sort of process, without some sort of formula, so to speak, I can't imagine they're going to feel those things. No, not at all. One of the biggest arguments I always get when we're working on performance management in any company is it takes a lot of time. There's this myth again. That so does turnover. Exactly. Exactly. Performance reviews take a couple of hours. Turnover takes weeks, months (laughs) when you're looking for a new hire. People don't think that their employees want feedback. Employees really want feedback, good or bad or indifferent. But we all want to know how we're doing. We all want to know what we're doing well and where we can make some improvements. Obviously, there's an art to providing feedback and how to do that in a productive way. But that is what employees really want out of a performance management process. So it can be really easy and you can provide feedback more than once a year. (laughs) We have shifted to, and again, all industries are different, roles are different, but 
our marketing agency, we we have quarterly reviews four times a year, but then we also everyone has weekly one-on-ones with their direct reports and with their, you know, their manager. And since we've kind of implemented that, we've seen turnover go down. We've seen tenure go up. We've seen employee happiness go up. All these metrics that measure like all the things that would indicate how stable you are as an employer, they've all gotten better. And our business has gotten stronger. So I, as someone who used to be like, in the camp of what people just want to go do their job, don't want to like constantly have these meetings, whatever. I think, you know, our one-on-ones are 15 minute check-ins. It's it's not an hour and a half. It's not a big deal, but that time is so well, like it is just time well spent. Oh, absolutely. Because just as you said, they're getting feedback. You're talking about what's happening in the business right now. Yeah, right now. Exactly. Right. And what they can do to impact it instead of an annual review where they're getting feedback once a year. So they can't really oftentimes do anything with that feedback because a lot of times what happened is happened six months ago. You're not talking about what's going on in the business today. So yeah, I know I kind of took us down that path, but no, that it's great. Kind of I wanted to show the importance of kind of an indirect KPI, so to speak, from the human resources perspective. No, I, I loved it. Looking back at Monica at the beginning of her journey in the HR world, what what is something you wish you would have known then that maybe you know now? Is there that like one thing or two things, whatever? I don't know if there's a one thing, but I do think that I did come into HR thinking of it as more of a support function. I wanted to work with people. So that's what how I kind of shifted from being a pre-law major to <laughs> HR. But I think if I had known earlier in my career to look at and practice HR from the driver perspective and that HR is important to the business strategy and business success, I could have had a different impact earlier. I would say that I think comes with learning and maturity. Live and learn, right? I mean, how (laughs) many things did people tell us when we were younger and you're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And now you look back and you're like, yeah, they were, they were right. (laughs) They were right. So sometimes you just have to go through it to understand it. Any just go-to resources that helped you become a better leader professional in the HR space that you'd want to share, whether it's organizations, books, blogs, whatever, anything that you're paying attention to? I read a lot of SHRM and HR executive articles for HR specific, but what I really like is Harvard Business Review. Oh yeah. Big fan. Yeah, me too. Because that's where I get the business side of it. And I really understand what's going on in business today, what our business is thinking about, what should businesses be thinking about. And that helps me again, really then think about how to develop HR strategies for the future that will best support the business. So again, I try to always take it from business first perspective. I just got my latest issue. It's around here somewhere. But the thing I love about HBR is admittedly, some of the articles I'm like, oh my God, this is so intimidating to read, but they give you the nice little like, like (laughs) the case study. Yeah. Breakdown at the beginning. That's just like, okay, this is something that I do want to dig a lot more into and it's going to be worth my 20 to 30 minutes to actually read this thing and get in the weeds, but it's such a valuable resource. And and they have great podcasts as well, too. They do have great podcasts and it stands true over time. I'll find 
HBR articles sometimes for a client and they're a couple years old. And they're still relevant. They're still totally relevant. They're nice too, because they carry their own credibility. So when you share them with someone else, they're like, oh, it's a Harvard Business Review article. It's, it's legit. Right, exactly. <laughs> Unfortunately, I don't know if sometimes the HR articles hold as much. <laughs> that's funny. Well, but that's okay. There's something about that, the power of a brand, right? Mm-hmm. I always can tie it back to marketing somehow, it seems like. But anyway. I'll tie it back to people you type. There you to. go. <laughs> what anything anything that we didn't cover that, that you kind of want to speak to, or do you feel like we? I think we covered a lot. A lot of what you know, you and I had talked about, and I feel like, look, this isn't rocket science, right? It's not. <laughs> it's, it's not rocket science at all. <laughs> Make your people feel valued, and there's a lot of ways to do that. You referenced the. Dan Urshan episode. And I mean, he's, he breaks it down. It's treat others as you want to be treated. It's really pretty simple, but for some reason we get in our way all the time. Yes. Sometimes it is hard because you have to make some changes in your business, do some things differently, but the impact that that will have the long-term in terms of either attracting or retaining good people is worth the time, is worth the effort, and worth the money. <laughs> I think even when you, and I'm not sharing this to Pat Gorilla76 on the back, but there was something a couple of years ago I was really proud of. We had somebody in a position. She was outstanding. She had outgrown the role. If we really just needed more of a production person, she was brilliant, WashU grad. And we just were not utilizing her in the best way possible. And we also weren't really needing that function as much as we once were. So we had to essentially, I don't even want to call it a a layoff because I don't know what it was, but basically we just were like, look, we have to help you go somewhere else. Like you're not going to reach her. She was a designer. We had a our, our video guy shoot a video kind of portfolio where she walked through her her portfolio. It was like a a three-minute piece kind of that she could send to prospective applicants, it exploded. She had a ton of interest. She landed a great job. And again, I'm not saying that to pat ourselves on the back, but I think even when you have to make those tough decisions, there's still a way to do it where it's not just like, hey, sorry, it's not working out. Good luck. Now, there are times where Sometimes HR decisions have to be made like that. And, you know, it's a performance thing or whatever. But this was someone who was really talented and we just were not not needing it anymore. But I wanted to, we wanted to help her. I love that. I mean, I think the most important, not the most, but one of the most important things is to, no matter how difficult the decision or why that decision is being made, to treat your people with grace, to help them where you can. It's not abnormal. You, I mean, actually, it's a good thing that she outgrew the position. She outgrew it. Yeah, and that's awesome. Your business outgrew it also, it sounds like. That's great. It shows that both of you had growth, <laughs> right? The best thing you can do is be honest and transparent with people about here's where, where we're at and here's the decisions we're having to make. How can we do this in the best way possible for you and for the business so that she can find something else that best suits her. She's had an amazing experience even leaving Gorilla that she'll tell others about and be probably very thankful to you for a long time. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, it was also just felt like 
the right it's thing the to right do. It's the right thing to yeah. do. And that's a lot of what putting the value back on people is, is what is the right thing to do for the people and for the business? <laughs> Monica, this was great. We talked about this leading up to the show, but I'm like, I feel like we could talk for six hours about this stuff, seven hours. <laughs> Thanks so much for spending some time today with us. How can our listeners learn more about you, get in touch with you, kind of where can they find you if they want to talk more about even hiring collaborative strategies? Yeah, absolutely. If anyone wants to reach out, I love to, as John, you know, I really kind of geek out at this stuff and can talk about it, as you said, forever. So I would love to just talk to people about what they have going on in their workplace and you know, different ideas that can be helpful. Um, I'm on LinkedIn. Collaborative Strategies is on LinkedIn. You can also go to getcollaborative.com, which is our website. My bio is up there. You can email me through there and you can email me through LinkedIn and that's the easiest way, but I'd love to get in touch with anyone who's interested. Excellent. John, thank you for having me today. This has oh, been it was awesome. really we're fun. We're going to have to have you on a, again. Like, I feel like, <laughs> like I, I, if you're willing, I'd be so lucky to, to have your expertise we're all trying to learn this. We're all trying to navigate it. Obviously, the world's totally different now than it was five years ago. And I think we're just all trying to make our workplaces better. And there's a lot that we can learn from you. Well, thank you. I, I hope people learned something from this. I think, yeah, making the workplace better and making people feel valued pays off dividends in the long run. So thank you again, John. This has been really fun. I appreciate it. Absolutely. And to our listeners, thanks for tuning in. I'll catch you on the next episode of The Manufacturing Employer. You've been listening to The Manufacturing Employer podcast. To ensure you never miss an episode, subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast player. If you'd like to learn more about our approach to industrial marketing and the role that company culture has in moving manufacturing forward, visit Gorilla76.com.